Welcome to Defropology, brought to you by Radio to Paul. I am one of your hosts, Jeffrey, and my fun fact of the day is I am going apartment hunting tomorrow, looking at seven different apartments, starting at 10 a.m., and it's going to be 10 degrees also, so that should be great. Oh gosh, they don't know when we're recording this, so that's a bit awkward, but anyways. Yeah, next time I might be in a new apartment pretty soon. I hope the acoustics are good, but my name is Misha, and my fun fact is that this week I got elected to president of the frat that I'm in. We stand. If you guys want to be in Phi Sigma Pi, hit me up because we need more members. Yeah, follow the Instagram page too. What's the Insta? Account. It's Phi Sigma Pi DPU, DePaul University. Okay, and our question of the week is, did you ever want to be famous, like a type of celebrity? And if so, what did you want to be famous at? I had this phase where I wanted to be an actor because I can't sing. So that, that, that dream already came and went <laughs> as soon as that started. But I want to be an actor. I even submitted that stupid Disney application they had. Where it's like, oh do God, you want to be did. a Disney star? They never reached back out to you, by the way. Oh, that's heartbreaking. It's like sending letters to Santa. <laughs> oh, I also, at one point, I also wanted to be a voice actor. So the whole thing. How about you? As a kid, I really wanted to be in a band, like as a drummer or a bassist one or the other but i was i'm bad at both so i gave up pretty quickly what type of band are we thinking mcr are we thinking yeah. american rejects of, of course it's like a, an emo band a sad person band or even like a death metal type concept i really like but mm, okay so i'm uh, judging but well if i was in a band it'd be a really like I feel like I'd be in a crappy boy band. Oh god. <laughs> You'd be reduced down to all your most marketable aspects. I mean, I don't even know what mine would be. I don't even want to think about that now. But, uh, one? <laughs> oh, he's the mix, so he oh, can god. appeal to Belle. <laughs> he's the ethnically ambiguous one. Mm-hmm. You just need to get a little bit tanner. So today, because it's the 27th episode, we thought we would talk about the 27 Club. So for you guys who don't know what the 27 Club is, Markowitz and Hancock in 27, I mean, in 2017, described the 27 Club as, as, a, as a designated name to a group of mostly musicians, though it encompasses technically all celebrities who are all died at the age of 27. There is no official membership as any star who died at that age is included. The theory that members of the media and public have concluded there is a higher death rate at 27, though scientists disagree. In this episode, we will be discussing the lives of members of the club and discussing how the Hollywood lifestyle is a high-risk one, and it has claimed many young and talented lives. So we're kind of going to talk about these people and also what makes Hollywood kind of a, not a hot spot, but that why, why is the Hollywood pressure in the Hollywood machine so damaging to young people? And we will be, some of these deaths are suicides, by the way, so if you don't really want to hear about that, I would just click off now. But also, this list isn't in, in like, any particular order, so if you maybe feel a bit slighted that, like, someone's higher or lower on the list, it's not that deep. Please don't think about too hard. Also, we couldn't include everyone because it's a half-hour show, so it's only people who, uh, like, are the most recognized, or they're, like, people who passed away recently too and i hope for the love of god you cannot hear my upstairs neighbors i don't i don't hear anything okay anyways they are marching on that ceiling but anyways the first person i like knew right off the bat was kurt cobain from nirvana he's kind of like the face of the 90s and there's different he died by suicide but there's different kind of reasons given he was struggling with addiction he was in a relationship with courtney love who is horrible there's 
some, uh, I think she wrote a book after his death and she was talking about like how sensitive he was and like how they tried to go to rehab, like separate programs at one point and they both failed in like four days and were like, I don't know, beyond help, but not really. But if you ever want to know why people intensely hate Courtney Love, that's part of the reason why. She's also kind of like an anti-feminist type of person. Uh, so basically all these kind of factors of how bad of a person she is, plus her like really trying to force herself into his life, that all kind of came down on this really unhappy marriage, this drug addiction, dealing with being like a new parent and newly famous when he didn't really want to be, all kind of came together to his suicide. I also think with Cobain, he was the first person, he was the reason, like not the first one, but when he died, it's when the 27 Club was coined. Mm -hmm. He was like the, after that, it was like, oh, this is proven because there's this person, because I remember um, Janice passed before him and then it was one other person because of them three it was it was like oh there is a connection with the number 27 i also think with kurt cobain too it was such a big impact because he was often considered like the spokesperson for generation x and he had just such strong opinions but in his persona and i like with bands i think he was so like big because we had I don't think there was a as big of a singer in a band like with that strong of an image like Freddie Mercury in my opinion like that I just remember standing out so much you know what I mean mm, interesting he was like the Princess Diana kind of the same years too but was it him Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison that trio yeah. I also want to talk about Jimi Hendrix. Although he died, I think, in the 70s. Did we write that down? Oh, God. Um, though he died, like, in 1970, it was, like, pre-27 Club becoming like a thing and he is like an insane guitarist so several like of his bigger hits are hey joe purple haze and the wind cried mary and there's several books that kind of allege that hendrix lived this really like stereotypical rock star lifestyle you know full of alcohol and drugs and like mixing drugs and that he got into a fight in a european hotel which led to his arrest in 1968 and in that same year he had like a bunch of outbursts and domestic violence happenings uh and then two years later he was found as like an accidental death from bar from um barbitch it's yeah he died from a barbiturate related asphyxia which means that you can't there's like so much happening that you can't like you're choking on your own vomit basically um if you don't you might know what barbiturates are because it's also the cause of death for marilyn monroe also if you like look into his year of 1968 there's so many like incidents in that one year with him it's I couldn't put them all down that was just like the top two ones there was a lot going on there next on the list we have um Jim Morrison so Jim Morrison was known to be rebellious even in his youth he acted out against his strict father with alcohol and woman from a young age as a teenager um oh this is just a fun fact I didn't write this down but I thought this was funny he got on the dean's list at one college then he left to pursue film because it was like a new program this is when film start started being taught in school so he was like oh this is like uncharted territory so no professor can act like they know more than me but then he hated the program and he wanted to quit but that's at the same time the vietnam war was happening so you couldn't be drafted if you were a university student so that's the only reason he said he stayed in school was because he didn't want to go to war so he didn't drop out of his program so that that was funny and he eventually made it big 
because then he joined um, the band The Doors. And then before Light My Fire, there was a Never single that did moderately well, but then Light My Fire happened and it took them places. And he was on the, I think it was the Ed Sullivan show. And he was told not to sing the one line because of the reference to drugs. And back then you couldn't say anything drug related, even though it's very common nowadays. But he sang the line anyway. And the line was, girl, we couldn't get much higher on air, on live air. So they couldn't bleep it out or anything. So that happened. And he was just, no, he got cemented as like the rock and roll troublemaker that everyone was like, oh, he's going to like, he does what he wants. And his music was very rebellious focused and it appealed to his disillusioned youth fan base who were kind of against the machine. They were looking for other answers. And then his celebrity status grew as his like, his name recognition grew. So did his alcoholism and drug overdose, as well as his womanizing. He had like a long-term common law wife, but he he also like randomly got married to this woman, I think in Norway for like a little bit, but then he went back to her. So it was like a whole thing. Then he uh, found himself, um, he found himself in freaking trouble with the law for conduct at his concert. He would later take time from the doors in order to work on himself, though he spiraled because of drugs and depression. He died of heart failure in 1971 and no autopsy was performed. As there was no signs of foul play but because there was no autopsy people like to speculate so then they came up with conspiracy theories of um other ways that he probably died and that they didn't say anything because they were covering it up to not affect his legacy and all this stuff it was like a whole bunch of you know how the media is yeah and i know this little fun fact is it a fun fact does it count as a fun fact but I know this because one of my anthropology professors know that pointed it out that he's buried at Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris and a lot of people like leave those like mini bottles of alcohol at his grave and party outside of it and there's a lot of celebration and ritual around that and I think that's really interesting. Next on the docket is Amy Winehouse. So um, with Amy, she's known for her classic album, Back to Black, which if you're a music fan, it's basically required listening. You can't really call yourself like a music nerd if you haven't heard Back to Black. It's what I hear from everyone. It won five Grammy Awards. Um, Very early on before Back to Black, but by her first album, she was regarded as a party girl. She was known for showing up to her TV performances intoxicated. She often had public domestic fights. So like in public, like a lot of at the time, like domestic vi- like violence stuff, it was kind of like a behind the scenes thing. Like people heard about it because there's a police report, right? She would get into it. Like they would say that her and her long-term boyfriend would get into it, like in the middle of the street because they just were both like addicted. It was like a really ugly sight. Then she, her song Rehab, which I'm sure everyone has heard once or twice, was a response to her former management company who she dumped after they suggested she get treatment for her alcohol abuse. So it's kind of like, wow. And then unfortunately her alcoholism and trouble relationship and later marriage. So the guy that she was having the fights with, she would get married to him. And that was a whole controversy because he had like this legal situation. He was in court for something. And then they tried to say that she was trying to do stuff to affect the case to help her husband. And then she blamed all of her like music troubles because she had to keep canceling tours because she was like really drunk and she showed up drunk and then her friends would boo her. And then she said it was all her husband's fault because of his like legal situation stress was stressing her out they all cultivated into her eventual death from um drugs and alcohol unfortunately and then we have robert johnson who, um who was a solo artist he was known as one of the greatest blues musicians to ever exist unlike many others on this list johnson um did not die of an accident or in like a suicide he was actually it's suspected that he died from deliberate poisoning in 1938 the problem is when it happened they didn't, we didn't have like forensic technology and 
with the point, even with the poisoning stuff they did have, it was really hard to pinpoint like what it was. So, but that's what it's really highly believed to have happened. His mass fame came posthumously from 29 songs he wrote between 1936 and 1937, which holy crap, he wrote 29 songs in one year. Also, there was like a lot of mythology surrounding Johnson because there is speculation people made after his death that he had like some type of deal with the devil, like you know, like the Illuminati rumors. Because another blues musician would say that he knew Johnson in the a year before, like a year before he blew up and became like kind of semi-famous because he got more famous after his death that like between a year he got really good at the guitar and he got really good at like instruments when he wasn't talented before so he thought it was weird but it could also just be jealousy in my opinion so I just I kind of like looked into that and I was like "Eh, I don't really see any hard proof you know what I mean yeah and another notable thing about Robert Johnson is that he's black and that might have also kind of been a reason why he would have been poisoned also so there's several different factors into why he might have been targeted and I think some of the conspiracy theories around like making deals with the devil or whatever kind of take away from the more serious side of like they saw this black guy like gain this talent and got jealous maybe I don't know I just think that the deal with the devil thing it's like it seems like everyone has a deal with the devil because then someone someone had said but Charlie D'Amelio at one point the girl from TikTok had a deal with the devil Turns out she had, a, um, she did have a deal with someone. It wasn't the devil. If you guys don't know this, she got sued by this guy who is a really, we're not saying his name because we're not trying to get our podcast pulled, but let's say there is a powerful Hollywood figure who's made a lot of careers. And I'm not saying his name. Um, and that her family invested into him to make her and Dixie famous. And now she's supposed to pay him like a certain percentage of her earnings for like a while and she stopped doing it. So then he put her on blast. It was a whole thing. So yeah, there are uh, there are deals out there to make people famous, but we're not saying he did it. We're just saying that it's always been like a rumor to discredit anyone who like blows up because everyone, like I think a lot of regular people also, because they haven't become famous and a lot of them want to be famous that because they haven't done it, there has to be, they have to find a way to explain it away because it can't just be that they weren't talented enough or it can't just be they didn't get the the, the, the lucky chance. You know what I mean, yeah, everyone has to blame like it. Networking or jealousy. Yeah, they have to blame it on something else. And it's usually like the devil or something. Yeah, but moving on from him, the next person that we're going to talk about is Brian Jones. And I'll be honest, before this episode, I did not know who he was. I'm Sorry, but he was the original frontman for the Rolling Stones, and he was kind of put into fame because of the Rolling Stones, and touring with the band just really sucked for him, and he again started abusing drugs and alcohol, which isn't a super new story here, and his addiction kind of led him to not be able to perform with the band, and he was later found dead in his pool. It was ruled accidental, but again, we don't know the full story. Um, With Janis Joplin, she was the lead singer of Big Rubber, and then she also had success as a solo artist. So she grew into, grew into fame during the 60s when she joined Big Rubber and then the holding company in 1966. She would leave the group after creative differences, and then she would shortly release the album Cheap Girls in 1968. Her solo work afterwards faced mixed reviews. Uh, I also know that like with um alcohol she also had like a alcohol and drug addiction that she had for um especially like heroin for like a while um her album pearls what was like the huge success of her career and then she would eventually die of a 
a heroin overdose, unfortunately. So Pearl was released after her death. Yeah, oh, it was like posthumous. Yeah, and it was her like most successful release, even though she was dead. Yeah, uh, I have a, so guys, stay tuned for, um, if you haven't listened to the episode that's coming before this, it's, I'm talking about how musicians and death relate and how some, like how people become even more famous when they die or how people don't pay attention to people. Yeah, unfortunately, like you're like immortalized in death to a lot of people. So let's be a whole conversation. Check that out. Yeah, and these are two more recent deaths, and I don't know if Jonghyun counts. He was 27. He was a singer. He was an idol singer. Uh, one of one of five of the members of Shiny, and he died on December 18th, 2017. So a little around three years ago at this point. And gosh, the day the news came out, I think I talked about it on a previous episode, like my friend was crying at the lunch table. But anyways, basically, like he killed himself and he sent like a text to his sister before he did it. And she like ran over to his apartment, but it was already too late. And I didn't know if we should include him or not. I didn't know if like as an idol he counted or not but I wanted to include him and music was released after his death that also faced a lot of success compared to his previous solo work. I would say it does count. I think anyone, because with the 27 Club, it's not a strict, like regulated thing. It's literally right. any celebrity who's passed. It's just mostly regarded with musicians. So I don't know if this is unique to him on this list, but there was no history of like drugs or alcohol abuse with him, but maybe it was also just kind of kept secret either way. But we're going to stick the intermission here and after this will be a more analysis type yeah. analysis uh, oriented discussion, I'll say. Yeah, around like, is the 27 Club purse real or is there like an actual thing going on proven by science and stuff like that. It's general analysis, and you're going to hear PSA, and we'll be back. See you soon. So we're back for, like, an analysis, kind of, of the 27 Club and why people think it's a thing. Um, and an article by Markowitz and Hancock in 2016, they evaluated the lyrics of musicians of the 20 Club, and they separated them from those who died by suicide and those that died of, like, an accident, were murdered, etc. So just suicide and non-suicide, basically. And they talked about how there was indicators in their music that showed like their mental health status and or an indicated suicidal like thoughts ideation or like stuff like that that could indicate um warning signs um many of them had like markers that showcase um mental illness or suicide like in their music and they found that suicidal depressed artists gave up um like in their storytelling they often used like i first person like singular very specific emotional writing that made it like it showed that it wasn't like a generic person going through it that was really their firsthand experience it's interesting because i'm trying to think of like different nirvana songs like if he uses i or not but anyways And <laughs> a study from butler from last year they found that there was no real like the age 27 wasn't really an outlier when studying the deaths of famous musicians and famous people in general. But the outlier in general was between the ages of 25 and 32. So 27 is kind of in the middle there. And just in general, the 20s is really... 20s, 30s is really volatile for famous people, and a death during that time is three times as likely than the average British person. British people. Do they count? Anyways, there's also kind of a portion where they talk about 
the live fast, die young, leave a pretty corpse thing is just generally kind of romanticized, even though it's... Yeah, I, it's true because I remember that when um this lady died who was like a young, she was like up and coming starlet, like she basically jumped off the Empire State Building and she landed on a car and they literally showed this on the news, her body, because they were like, she doesn't even look dead. And it was called like, she's literally called in a, the most beautiful suicide because she like, she looks like she's sleeping on top of a car that look, does look barely dented. So they like, for some reason, the news thought it was good to show this to everyone and flash this on like 24 hours our news cycle which is everywhere so there is there is a lot of like deaths where people are like or like in general too with our culture it's like oh she was so beautiful it's just said she went yeah you know what I mean? there's a lot of like obsession with the aesthetic even after you die which is really like it leads to the sale of like eye caps and embalming fluids etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah but that's not this episode yeah we should we need to do an episode on beauty standards and death i think that'd be an interesting one and a final quote from the article says, But the manner of death of most 27 club members is not something to be admired. Many of them had lost control of their lives, become consumed by hedonism, and neglected the permanent thing so thoroughly that they made their lives fleetingly temporary. Which is kind of like a very Christian way of saying it. But... I think it's unfair because you have to also think that I think when you're a musician too, uh, it's kind of pushed on. Like I re I've read so many interviews of musicians saying that like drugs was like how you got your creative output. And I think it was pressured onto people because they have all this access to money. Once you have access to money, you don't you don't have access to like cars. You have access that you're always at these parties where alcohol and drugs is being like passed around. And some of these like drugs are highly addictive like it takes one use so i don't think it's just hedonism i also think and a lot of people are more likely to be addicted to things to others it's like a genetic factor so i don't think it should just be called hedonism like some of it some of the stuff we like talked about was a bit like with the womanizing and other stuff like that but i also think there's a certain type of person that hollywood pursues to make a star and it's someone who's multiple and it's someone who is also like it's someone that has like they're out some of these people like are very outrageous not in a bad way but they're just they're like loud in your face like yeah impulsive or they're like extremely extroverted to like a tempo as you can see in a lot of these cases and it's done for a reason because those are people that will catch people's eye so and then it's kind of like they build these people up and then they also watch them fall at the same time so i think it's a lot of tragedies in my opinion that a lot of these people were kind of like overly criticized as well. We talked to like with the like with um when when she went solo, um Janice Joplin, like how she got those like mixed reviews that happens to like a lot of artists. So I, I think like the media and the press plays a lot into a lot of these situations as well. Yeah, and I think there's also like not to be all like we live in a society, but like being in your twenties under capitalism is so miserable. I couldn't imagine like being famous and also like dealing with uh, living under capitalism and those kinds of pressures that come with it. Like any decision you can make can affect stock markets and like shit like that. I also think it's like, there's a difference between someone who gradually became famous. So it took a while right. for you because you gradually grow into the spotlight. You gradually get used to things. Some of these people in 
but we talked about were kind of torpedoed after like one or two singles. So it's also hard to handle, like it's a drastic change of environment. You're in a new location. You're surrounded by new people. Well, a lot of them not having your best interests at heart. There's also a lot of these people were in bands. So then you have interpersonal like business relationships that also like if there's drama in your personal life of someone in a band and also affects the business, then like all of these people also have relationship issues and all this cultivates into like your persona because if you're not right with yourself, it's hard to portray that this happy, you're just this happy go lucky person to the public as well. So I think it was a lot of those things. And also I do think some of this is on a bit of the audience as well because a lot of the like for example i like this song too so i'm gonna hold myself accountable but with the song rehab the p like none of us have really analyzed the lyrics if you look at the lyrics it's literally her rejecting treatment which everyone has the right to do with what they want obviously but as we could see she would have benefited probably from getting help at that facility right so a lot of us also, like, especially when you're going through a sad phase or you have depression or you have a certain mental illness, when you relate to a celebrity who has that, it's part like to you, that's how you connect it to them. So if someone gets better or they actually like try to work on themselves, they no longer are like relatable to you. So I also think it's hard for celebrities because how like they became famous or how they came into it, it's kind of like they can never change that. They're kind of pigeonholed or they're kind of kept to a certain spot, unfortunately. And I know like it's because like the last episode is my chem related but like i think of like my chem where they started and they were in their early 20s and they like rocketed to success and they had alcoholism issues and by the time they were releasing danger days some of them were like in really like long-term relationships were starting to get married were starting to like you know grow up really and so they do this album that has this like very different concept from what they usually do and the fan base was like really extremely divided by those that like just wanted like the high energy like self-loathing type of music and those who were excited for like the band's growth and progress and it was i think part of a big reason why they broke up after that album was just like well if you can't handle us like changing concepts then you know what we're out but that's just one example of so many that's why i think being a creative is so difficult like in any industry because there becomes an expectation that people can't handle reality where people learn and grow and they change and they want to try new things and they're constantly like put into a box that they don't want to be in that they didn't ask to be in but is do some of them do some creators unfortunately help put themselves in the box i would say yes most people do not but some people do like bank on the fact that oh like you want a sad tumblr girl my name's lana del rey or haldi or lord i can be that for you and then lord uh, this is what happened with lord she put out pure heroin everyone loved it she put out melodrama oh sad girl melancholia we love melancholia we love like you know we're so finally we can talk about like our mental illness and our sadness then she came out with solar power which was like a flower child folk anthem everyone hated it everyone was like what is this what a letdown, Lord. Yeah, people. Why are you talking change. about why are you talking about climate change? That was the whole response from the internet. I was like, oh my God. I was like, you can't, if she had kept doing it, it would have been like, oh, she's just trying to do melon drama 2.0. But when she does change it, it's like, why? Do you know what I mean? Like you can't really win either way. I feel like with some like musician fans too. Because if you keep doing it, then it's well, you're not like evolving as an artist. But what right. if you do try and evolve, it's like, well. 
you evolved, I guess, but you kind of devolved because you went too far from what everyone liked. Like you have to remember your core audience. So it's kind of like a balancing act, I think, of trying new things or you have to like completely just switch it up and be fine with the response you're going to get. Yeah, I don't know. And it's also like a difference in expectation. Like with K-pop groups, there's like a different concept every time you release something new. But with like my chem at least, or I don't know, even a lot of Jonghyun's work was like decently sad and people hated it. But we are very but, much going over time. I'm gonna make this quick comment and it's not gonna be added, but maybe I'll just pause real quick. And that was our episode of Defropology. Thank you guys for listening. You can check us out on Instagram or email us at defropology, D-E-A-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y. Also, make sure uh, you check us out on Radio Paul or Go to Anchor, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be listened to. You can listen to us there. Thank you guys for listening. See you next week. Also, check out Misha and Jeffrey's solo material that came out before this. It's the two episodes before this one. See you guys soon.